and welcome to Daily in the Word. This is Rich Chassie. I am your host and teacher, and we're glad that you're back with us today for another week of Daily in the Word. We're in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21, and we're looking at Jesus's teaching on the sheep pen, the sheep gate, the shepherd, the, the whole relationship going on there, the difference between him and the Pharisees when it comes to this well-used illustration to describe the relationship between the good shepherd and the sheep. It's something that was familiar to the Old Testament, and Jesus uses it as well. So let's go ahead and begin reading. want to remind you, if you have not yet prayed and asked God to enlighten you, ask the Holy Spirit to teach your heart and your mind the Word of God, would encourage you now to just hit the pause button and ask the Lord to teach you and enlighten you as we read together. So let's go ahead and start. John chapter 10, verse 1. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Our passage today contains two of the I am statements that 
Jesus says seven times in the Gospel of John. John records seven instances where Jesus says, I am, followed by some illustration, some metaphor that describes Jesus's relationship to us. I am the gate for the sheep or the sheep gate, and I am the good shepherd. These are both I am statements that are uttered by Jesus in this passage. The context for the passage is a continuation of what we see in chapter 9. In chapter 9, Jesus had healed the blind man who had been blind from birth, and he's having this ongoing conversation with the Pharisees that continues now in chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber, verse 1. Jesus is describing the, the morning scene, the morning routine of the shepherds and their sheep, and he's describing a, a large sheep pen where several shepherds would keep their pen, keep their sheep in a pen overnight, and they would all end up getting intermingled together, and the sheep would show up at the gate. He wouldn't be climbing over a wall. That's what the thieves and robbers would do. He would show up at the gate. He would speak to the gatekeeper, verse 3, and the gatekeeper would open, would recognize the shepherd, would open the gate for the shepherd, and the sheep would hear his voice. He would call out to his sheep. He had an intimate relationship with these sheep. He knew them by name. He uh, would call out to them. He was the one who would take them to pasture, who would feed them, who would protect them. And so when he calls out their name, they recognize his voice. And because they recognize his voice, they recognize him as the shepherd, as their shepherd. They go out and follow him out into the field to where he would lead them to pasture, where they could feed and so forth and enjoy all the benefits of life because the shepherd cares for his sheep. Now, if a strange shepherd were to come in and call out for them, not only would they not follow him, they would want to run away from him. They don't recognize a stranger's voice. They recognize the shepherd's voice. And the Pharisees, again, verse 6, miss this. They don't understand what Jesus is saying, that that God, through Christ, is our great shepherd. And when he calls us, we hear him because we recognize his voice. It is God who has called us. We've responded to that call because we recognize him as our Lord and Savior or as our shepherd. In verse 7, when he calls himself the gate for the sheep, he is referring to his role as mediator between God and man. We, we don't need an earthly mediator. Our only mediator that we need, the only go-between that we need, is Jesus himself. And so the gate, Jesus serving as the gate here, is the one who gives us access to the Father. And so that's all that that is meant to describe for us, that Jesus is our mediator between God and man. He is the one that we go to. He is the one who gives us access to the Father. 
And so through that gate, we go in, we go out, we find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and they may have it to the full. That's what a relationship with Jesus Christ gives us, that even though this life is filled with difficulties and hardships and disappointments and pain and suffering at times and persecution, yet when we live according to his will, when we live a life that is following Jesus, it is a life that can be described as being lived to the fullest. It gives us meaning, it gives us purpose, and so we want to follow the Lord in that way. And then in verse 11, he talks about another I am statement here. I am the good shepherd. Again, this would have been a phrase and a and a picture, a metaphor that the Pharisees and anyone hearing him would have been familiar with. It's a familiar concept in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, Isaiah 53, other places as well. And he compares the, the good shepherd to the hired hand. The hired hand does not own the sheep, verse 12. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he runs away. He abandons the sheep. The wolf then attacks. The flock scatters, etc. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But that's not the good shepherd. That is not who Jesus is to us. I am the good shepherd, he says, and I know my sheep, verse 14, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, these next few verses, Jesus is going to be talking about laying down his life and then taking it up again, about him going to the cross to die for our sins and then the taking up of his life again, the resurrecting of his life again, that he would be resurrected from the dead. And then in verse 16, there there might be there a little bit of a confusing statement. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. He's referring to the Gentiles here. Remember that Jesus's public ministry, those three years that he served before he went to the cross, were all done in Israel's territory. It was all done among Jewish people. And so when he talks about, I have sheep that are not of this pen, he's making a reference to Gentiles who, after his death, burial, and resurrection, and the founding of the church, the beginning of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and then the church would be scattered. The church would go out and and take the gospel throughout the world. That was a reference to Jews and Gentiles being together in the body of Christ. And again, the picture here is of a shepherd and a flock. So I have sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there'll be, there shall be one flock and one shepherd, the end of verse 16 there. So it's one flock with both Jews and Gentiles, people from every race and background and tribe and tongue, all of one body, or here the picture, one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is our Lord and Savior and the one who reigns over the church, the body of Christ. Again, in verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Again, a reference to the death and then resurrection of Jesus. No one takes it from me. It wasn't some miscarriage of justice, even though it was. 
But ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, Jesus laid down his life. It wasn't something that was taken from him. He gave it up freely. I laid it down of my own accord, he said. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. The authority, the power. And again, Jesus states at the end of verse 18 there, this this command I received from my father. And so he's being obedient to his father's command to come and to live the life that he lived, to teach the way that he did, but ultimately to go to the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin. That was what was necessary in the coming of Jesus. Now again, verse 19 through 21, the Jews, they're again divided. Some saying he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Others saying, wait a minute, how can a demon-possessed man do these miraculous things? They're having that discussion. They're, they're having that disagreement. And it's the signs of Jesus that he performs, these miraculous events, that John records seven of them specifically. Again, Jesus did many more than seven. John records just the seven for us, specifically identifying these signs and wonders as verification that Jesus is indeed from God, that he is the Messiah, our Lord and our Savior. Lord, we thank you for these two illustrations, these two I am statements that you've given us about the gate for the sheep and for the good shepherd that we can understand that you are the one who gives us access to God the Father, and that you are the one who loves us and cares for us. You don't abandon us, and we thank you for that. Lord, we can trust you. You are no mere hired hand. You are certainly not a thief or a robber. You are the one who loves us, who gave up yourself. You died for us, and then you rose again from the dead. You took up your own life. Lord, you are the God of all. You are the God of all creation. You have authority and power over all of creation. And Lord, you have called us, and we have heard your voice, and we follow you. We love you. We follow you, we trust in you with our very lives, and we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening in today on Daily in the Word. I hope you'll join us again next time. Again, we want to encourage you to invite your family and friends to follow along with us. Encourage them, if they haven't started yet, to go back to the beginning of our podcasts, back with the introduction to the Gospel of John, and then in John chapter 1 and following from there, so that they too can benefit from opening the Word of God on a daily basis and getting into reading it daily and understanding what they read. I really pray, I really hope that these podcasts are enabling you to not just read on a daily basis, but also to understand and to digest what it is that you're reading, and also along the way to hopefully have some tips and help and just experience in how to read and and also to understand and apply 
what it is that we're reading together. And then also to just thank the Lord for what he is doing in our lives, what he is teaching us through his word. And we are so grateful for what he has given us in his word. So again, I pray that you have a great day and we'll see you again next time here on Daily in the Word. Take care.